0: We're going to jump back into this uh, service today uh, on the series, It's Good to Be Us. How many of you were here last week for Mary as she shared on emotional health? So good, right? And, and, and if you weren't here, I encourage you online um, on our mobile app. You can check out all of our messages via audio podcast or video. And we're, we're being very intentional in this series and had Mary focus on her topic last night, you know, good healthy conflict resolution and emotional health because we want to be a healthy church. I know that sounds like a big dream, right? That Jesus actually came to pay a price on the cross for a healthy church. People that are, that are doing good in their soul and their heart, right? That's, that's what he came to shed his blood for. So, so she had an amazing teaching on that. And we're going to continue those thoughts today. Um, because, you know, we're going after um, these values of heaven that the Lord has placed in our heart to see manifest within our, our community. And, and one of the things that, that I think is so good about being us is we are a multi-generational church. Everybody say multi-generational. You know, and beyond that, multi-ethnic, multi socio economic, all of that kind of stuff. It's a big melting pot of people of all kind of different, you know, spaces coming together as one body. Isn't that beautiful? But I remember in the early days when my wife and I were the old ones on the team at 32, and the rest of the crew was 21, that we were praying, God, please send some seasoned people to this house, you know? And if you're over the age of 25 today, you were the answer to our prayers way back then but but for real because god is god is wanting us to, to grow together as the generations do you believe that cuz there's things that we can receive from each other the young people we 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 get we get that that zeal that passion that zest for life that fearlessness right and then and then from those that have lived a bit, little bit of life there's the wisdom there's the seasoning there's the experiences The ups and downs that they've been through, that they can give us good insight into our tomorrow and what we're walking through, right? And so God is is doing something, I think, very, very special as it relates to uniting the generations for the sake of discipleship. Let's all say discipleship. Did you know the word disciple, it literally means a learner? Little means to be a learner, to continue to grow. How many of you know that there may be graduations that we've celebrated today, but we all are in the process of lifelong learning? We should never stop learning, never stop growing. And the thing about the kingdom of God is there really is no end to our growth. How many of you know that? What's crazy about walking with Jesus is, man, just when you think we have it all figured out, man, he comes and and shows us an aspect of himself or an aspect of ourselves or an aspect of how how and what we've been called into. And it's literally mind-blowing. Like, oh, my God, I had no idea that it was like this. We're disciples. We're growing. And there's an aspect of this growth that I was thinking about in preparation of my message today that has to do with fathers and mothers... And sons and daughters. Now, here's the mystery of that. We're both fathers and mothers and sons and daughters at the same time. Let me explain what I mean by that. I am always myself trying to put my my heart in a posture of learning as a son. Did you know that you can learn from anybody if you posture yourself like that and you open up your eyes and your ears to see and to hear? Oftentimes, I even learn from my own children. Can you imagine? As a father, as I posture my heart to receive, to continue to learn, my kids teach me things. Parents say amen. You know, and then my, my, my calling in life, as is all of our calling, is to rise, is to grow, is to, is to be a bigger person, is to be able to bless someone else's life, to be a father and mother to someone else. Right now... You know, most of us sitting in this room have, even to whatever degree, even though we don't comprehend this in our minds, understanding of truth, of, of God's ways, of even transformation in our own lives, that people out there don't even have a minuscule clue about. And we're holding oftentimes this treasure on the inside of our heart, and we're called to be fathers and mothers to them. Now, I was thinking about this. Jesus called us to... Disciple nations. Think about that. He didn't call us to just populate heaven or to see people saved. He said, I want you to disciple nations. Disciple nations, like raise up a multitude of people who are learning and who are growing in this thing called the kingdom of God. And I believe if we don't have the generational connection, Number one. Number two, if we don't have the posture to be both sons and daughters as well as mothers and fathers, we won't get to the end goal of what Jesus is calling us to do, to make disciples of nations. At the end of the day, church, like the calling over our house is to see fruitfulness, not just have another meeting, not just do a bunch of programs we 've been an out- activities based presence in the earth as the church at large, and I think God is wanting us to be an outcome based church at large it 's more than activities it 's outcomes of what God desires to see in His heart. Are you following me so we 're going to go there a little bit this morning, all right and we 're going to start off in First Corinthians chapter four, verse fifteen Paul actually brings this this verse right here that is relevant to everything that I just said. And I'm going to come back a little later in the message and explain more detail what he's actually trying to communicate from this verse. But look at it with me. He says, Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you, it literally means to be brought into existence through a parent. In other words, you couldn't have gotten to this place by yourself. This is very important. Because how many of you know that in this day, there's, there's a propensity right now for disconnection, for isolation, especially even among the age groups, right? Right? maybe among socioeconomic or, or, or racial spaces. There's, there's disconnection. There's, there's propensity for isolation. And he said, because of the gospel, I have begotten you, or I have brought you into this new existence by the grace of God. I went to uh, a school after my corporate season with, with the Walmart company uh, in Dallas, Texas. And, and while I was in Bible school there, um, we, had, we had a significant thing happen on our campus. A move of God hit our student body, and, and classes were shut down for two full weeks. I mean, there, I could go on for hours and tell you stories of what happened during that time. But out of that experience, me and six others started a prayer meeting on Tuesday nights in, in a friend of mine's uh, apartment on campus, a Brazilian by the name of Helo Fotoza, and, uh, and, man, he just set the atmosphere. How many of you know that Brazilians are really hospitable? Come on. They are. That is such a beautiful grace over that culture. And so he had his apartment all set up, and he didn't have much food there, but he did have some coffee and some crackers, right, that we would feast on on those nights and then, and then come into God's presence together in these meetings. And these went on for, for the, the latter part of my, my remaining time there at Christ for the Nations. Now... During one of these prayer meetings, I had an experience with Jesus that I'd never had leading up to that moment, or I've never had since. So I need to qualify this because sometimes I, I share stories, other people share stories about these encounters with God, and then the enemy tries to whisper in our ear, Why aren't you having those kind of encounters? Or, Wow, how, wh- is that only available for, for Darren or for Sam or for Julie or for Justin or whoever? No, no, no. Listen, this was a unique experience to me, I've never had it since. But I believe if the only reason I had it was, was to tell you this story today for the sake of my message, I believe that would be enough. So in the experience, I began to see with my eyes faces of people that I knew that were alive on the planet today flash before me. Now this wasn't something that I was just thinking in my mind. Have you ever had that? Like you get a thought in your mind, you can almost see it. No, this was different. Like I literally was seeing these faces flash before me like on a movie screen. And at first, I wanted to yell out to all my friends, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? But I I just felt so sobered in the moment. I was quiet, and these faces were just flashing before me as fast as as my eye could see them. Now, that was an awe-inspiring moment, but what happened next was even greater. It far surpassed everything I was experiencing in this what I call a vision. And I felt, this is what happened, I felt... The father heart of God for these ones that I was seeing. Now, this is in 1997. And and you can go back and retrace this whole move of God that's happened in the church recently relating to God as father and the whole father heart of God stuff. There's been a lot of books that have come out. I never heard any of that stuff before this experience. And I was so overwhelmed by the emotion that I was experiencing from the Lord as it related to these people that I dropped down on my knees in front of all my friends. And subconsciously out of my mouth came, God, if you would allow me, I want to put as many of these ones into their purpose and their destiny as possible by your grace. My friends were like, Darren, what's happening? And I said, guys, I don't know what just happened. Something took place or seeing these, these faces of these people that are alive today. And I felt the Father's heart for them. And that moment impacted me forever, to this day. I think about it all the time. But as I went on my journey from that moment moving forward, and we transitioned down here to South Florida, there was this secondary follow-up experience that I had with Jesus. Where he came and visited me in this in this day when we were in pretty, a pretty broken place, I mean, the church wasn't doing so awesome. We were having some real struggles, getting things going. Financially, it was a struggle and a challenge, and I didn't know if we were going to make it. I was actually sharing with some of our partners in the partner class today about this story where, you know, I, I, I had only seen success in my life. Executive with Walmart, three church plants before this, you know, booming, everything just kind of touching everything, turning to gold, and now I had found myself in this place where it just really wasn't going that well. You ever been there? It's like, man, I just can't make anything happen right now, and that's where I found myself, and in this moment, I felt the the, the performance uh, of this current culture that we live in, like this performance-driven culture where if you're not successful, if you're not making it, if you're not doing good, something's wrong with you, and I felt The reality of that, even for myself as a Christian in church, where, man, God, you you told me to come down here and and plant and pastor this church, and, and, and it seems like I'm just a complete failure right now. Nothing's working out. In fact, man, all my faith was leaving me. I just didn't even know what to do. And in that moment, what I felt from the Lord for those other people in that vision in 1997, I experienced for myself you tracking with me? In other words, I felt his heart for me in that moment. The other moment I felt for everyone else, but in this moment when I needed it, I felt it for me. And he spoke to me the simplest phrase, and it was this, Darren, all I want is you. I didn't even have to infer what he meant. I knew it. I don't want you to be a pastor. I don't necessarily even want, I don't want you to be success. I'm not in this so that you can just be a success for me. I don't care about your gifts. You're my son. And all I want is you. That's it. So the combination of these two experiences marked me forever. That happened in 2002, five years later after the 1997 thing. And those two experiences carried with me in my DNA now in the kingdom of God to the start of this church plan. And I just want to say it's, it's set and established the foundation for the very culture that we live out to this day. It's good to be us. Because I believe it's very important to tap in to the purity of the heart of the Father and to the purity of being sons and daughters as well in the process. Both. Are you tracking with me? Now look at this with me. I want to show you a story in 2 chapter 2, verse 9. It's an Old Testament story. and It's the only one in the Old Testament that really exemplifies this whole Father heart reality. Look at it with me. And the sonship thing as well. 2 Kings 2, verse 9. It says, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. Now, that's a beautiful heart of the Father. He doesn't just want to live his life and then exit this life without giving away what he has been able to achieve for himself. He wants it to go on to the next generation. It's where the ceiling of one generation's accomplishments becomes the floor for the next. We say that here all the time. Are you all tracking with me? That's the heart of a father. Tell me what I can do for you. It's not even the son having to ask. It's the father saying, hey, this is already in my heart. What can I do for you? There's been many, many meetings I've had with people over the years here in the Harbor Church where, man, people are trying to do their thing on their own. And I'm like, listen, you don't have to do it like that. What can I do for you? What can we as a community do to help you in this process? And Elisha responded. Look what he says. Please. This is a legitimate request, by the way. Let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Think about this with me. What would it be like if we were raising up the next generation and upon them, they were were receiving the double portion of the spirit that we now carry? And then from them to the next generation, a double spirit, a double spirit. And think of the, the power in that kind of transition, that kind of translation from one generation to the next. This is what God is wanting to do. This is what God is wanting to see. Where there's succession taking place. There's, there's Holy Spirit transference from one generation to the next. Not just the, the, the younger generation off doing their own, own thing and the older generation over here. But we're taking the wisdom and the blessing and the progression of one generation to the next generation. And they're becoming the successor of that. And they're entering into a double portion. Come on, guys. Listen. Life is tough. Ministry is hard. Just being a parent or an adult or a, a, a father or, or, or a husband or a wife, it's not easy. We need each other. We need to learn from each other. We need the, 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 the heights that we've seen and, and experienced breakthrough in these different realms to be passed on to others so that we can learn and grow and increase. Now, he says this in verse 10. He said, you have asked a difficult thing now. It's not difficult, but, but you'll see the context and what he's trying to talk about here. He said, if you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. I was pondering that. I was like, whoa. The only thing difficult about stepping into this is to be able to see it. Come on. In, in, in the kingdom of God and in the Bible and, and preachings like this, we can talk a whole lot of stuff. But unless there's God on it and the Spirit of God coming as we teach on these things and we are able to see, there's no movement forward in the very things that we're talking about. Come on. You remember in, in Paul, in another book of the Bible, he says, Listen, you got to pray. That this word, which is sharp and powerful and able to divide us under soul and spirit and pierce to the very heart of the issue of the matter and get its return on what it's come and intended to do. you got to pray that the God of this world who is blinding the minds of people, and he's not just talking about unbelievers, he's talking about people in the church, lest this glorious good news come into them. Pray that they'll be able to see. We need in my own life, there's stuff I can't see. I'm like, oh, I wish I would have seen this five years ago or two years ago or one year ago. Now I'm so vulnerable before the Lord. I'm like, I can't go another day and not be able to see the things you're trying to show me. It's not just for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. We need to be able to see or we're never going to be able to come into it. It's very difficult otherwise. And the good news here is, is, and this is, I believe, the promise over us and over this generation. Elijah saw it and cried out. What did he say? My father! My father! In that moment, it wasn't no longer just a request. It was a reality that was manifesting in his heart. And it's the only time we see it in the entire Old Testament. This heart cry to become a successor. And to inherit a double portion. So present in this story is both a father who has a heart to give and a son who is able to see. Now, fast forward to the last promise in the Old Testament is, I believe, the full fruit of what the New Testament has come to manifest. Look at this with me. Chapter 4, verse 5. He said, look. Last words of the entire Old Testament until 300 years later when Jesus would come on the scene and John the Baptist would precede him, which is who they're talking about right here. Look, what does he say? I'm sending you who? The prophet Elijah. The same context of that story now is going to manifest in the, new t- in the new covenant. And he says in verse 6, his preaching will do What? Turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. In other words, the disconnect that's been in the heart of of the older generation, it's going to turn and it's going to be for the children. I'm joking when I say this, but sometimes my heart is turned far away from my kids, especially Luke sometimes, you know what I mean? But there's, there's this moment where, where, where there's, there's this move on the hearts of fathers, and it's turned towards the next generation. He said, and he said, the hearts of the children to their fathers. To those who carry in a father and a mother's spirit. To those sons and daughters who, who can see. And fast forward, the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for Jesus to come and institute the new covenant. Luke is speaking of him. Look at this with me in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 13. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And you will have great joy and gladness, verse 14. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse 16. It says, and he will turn... Many Israelites to God. So his heart for an entire nation was going to turn many of them back to God. You got to understand the context of this timetable. The the, the, the nation that was supposed to be a light to the rest of the world was living under the valley of the shadow of death, total darkness. John came in with the heart of a father to get these sons and daughters to turn back to God. Listen, this is not about turning people to personalities. This is not like, you know, let's, let's, see, let's see how many Julie fans we have, or Darren fans, or, you know, Clay and Tanya fans, or whoever. This is, this is ultimately about people through our lives getting turned back to God, right? When I'm sitting with a young person and they're far away from the Lord, like I'm not trying to draw them to myself through my own wise teachings. I'm trying to implore them. Like, listen, God has something for you. Turn your heart back to the Father. And look at verse 17. It says, He will be a man, here it is. Oh, this is so amazing the Word of God. With the spirit and power of Elijah. So that anointing, that double portion will be on him and the power that he'll have is to turn, it says right here, the hearts of the fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now at the end of John's ministries, I'm wrapping this up, Jesus declares the character of this father by asking a series of questions. Look what he says. Luke seven twenty four. he says, When the messengers heard of John, heard John had departed, he began to speak with the multitudes concerning John. Jesus, Jesus talking here. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. In other words, listen to me. Hearts of fathers and mothers carry this right here. Someone who is really committed to press through the problems and stay in it for the good of a generation. You know, did you, did you expect to see some guy that's just going when to, the, when the going gets tough, he's going to, like, eject? No, this guy, he pressed through because he had a heart for you. Verse 26, 25, what did you go to see? A man clothed in soft garments? In other words, someone who's out for their own personal gain? Was he doing this to, like, get a, get a new wardrobe? But what did you go to see, verse 26? He says, A prophet. Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. In other words, someone more than just exercising their gift where their backstage life is the same as their stage life that everybody gets to see on a Sunday morning. We were at a, we were at a, um, a governance uh, uh, seminar yesterday put on by Church United. Jimmy Dodd came down from, from Kansas City. He works with Pastor Serve, and he was talking to pastors and leaders and elder teams and governance boards in the region with Church United, it was amazing. And I was sitting in there going, oh my God, every church person and every church leader should have been in this seminar, should have heard, I wish they could have heard this information, because he was talking about an example of a guy that he said, if I told you this pastor's name and this church name, everybody in here would know it, everybody. And he said, this is a church that's growing, Their finances are booming. They're cutting, you know, record deals with their worship music that's happening. And he said, I went to see this pastor at his request. And when I started conversing with him about what was going on with his backstage life, he said it was a total disaster. It was a mess. And I was thinking, what's wrong with our Christian culture? What is broken in this system? where we celebrate certain things and don't really look at the the, the things that really matter? Why have we gone so far into these, these, you know, pop culture, you know, celebrity stuff within within church? Am I talking to anybody? I'm saying like, man, our stage presence should be the same as our backstage presence. And if it's not, something's wrong. He was even saying that, man, the expectations in church on leadership, is, it's unrealistic. He put up this thing and he showed how the expectations of most parishioners on their leadership equals to about 114 hours a week of work. And then he said, no wonder Leaders, after three years, drop out of the ministry. We need to see something changed. To be healthy. To not just have what seems like successful ministry. And then years later, boom! The bottom drops out. And then everybody's going, what the heck just happened? Sorry. i <laughs> just, okay. It's all good. Everything's, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm happy, actually. <laughs> so these, these healthy mothers and fathers that carry the character of Jesus. There's, there's this verse in, in we don't have, I'm not going to put it up, but in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Dear children, dear children. Imitate your father. Now listen to the language. In everything that you do. What? And I was like, Lord, that's impossible. And he spoke to my heart. He said, it's not impossible if you're a son and you can see. So I know where I'm at, where our leadership team is, where where our staff, where our core leaders, where we're at right now. You know where we're at? We're like sonship. God, let us see. Let us, let us, I was thinking about this this weekend. We did a, uh, Sam actually performed the ceremony, but we married off one of our first daughters of, of, of the first families that came and was a part of our church. And I was thinking in that ceremony, as I was watching it transpire, I was like, man, life is all about learning how to love. And how to receive it and how to give it. That's it. I'm closing here. Stay stay with me. We're going to take some communion. I want you to to grab the elements. But look at this. What what Jesus says is the state of the fathers and mothers of that time in Jerusalem. Okay? It's not the state today. It's the state back then. It's where we've been building since then. Look at this with me. In verse 31, he says, To what shall I liken the men? And you can fill in their women of this generation. What are they like? This is very important. Hang with me. He says, they are like, what's the word? Children. Okay, whoa. He's asking, what's the state of the church right now? Of the fathers and mothers. He said, they're like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, saying, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned for you, and you did not weep. In other words, they were children... Entertaining children. Okay, time out. The growth projection of fathers and mothers as sons and daughters is to be healthy fathers and mothers, not children. And that's what Jesus sees. So going back to where we first began this this morning, and I close with this. When he says... You might have ten thousand instructors, but not many fathers. The word instructors there, like I'm gonna butcher it. Paddy, go, 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 go. That's not how it is, right? But sounded good. Sounded better. Go 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 go. Patty, go, 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 go. But it literally means a boy leader or a child who tutors other children. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just talking out loud for myself. I feel like probably the last five years, for me, has been grow-up time. I think there's seasons in our life where Kind of God lets things slide and then in his love he's like, now you're going to become who I've always called you to be. And it's okay. It's painful. It's hard sometimes. But if we're going to lead others, he doesn't want us to be children entertaining other children. That's not discipleship. He wants us to be fathers and mothers wherever we are in that journey. Entertaining Sons and daughters. Going back to Luke 7, he says, verse 33 John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You see, the enemy is always trying to tear down authority, get us to question and suspicion. And, and, and he's like, listen, Verse 35, wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, look at the fruit. What do you see? What do you see in their marriage? What do you see in their relationship to their own kids? What do you see in their relationship to other people? Maturity will be reflected in. In fruit there's no condemnation over that statement I'm just saying that's reality so for me when I hear about so and so or so and so or so and so and we're quick to jump on the the condemnation or judgment bandwagon you know what I do I step back and I say listen I don't have any right to judge that unless I know the fruit of their relationships and if I'm not privy to that we better close our mouth come on somebody I'm talking about good total church culture here we should not be talking about any other person that we don't know. And if you want to find out, go get to know them. Go start to find out who runs with them and see the fruit of their life, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. And he's telling them listen, you may not like the packaging. John the Baptist might not have fit your description of what you thought the forerunner would look like. I may not have fit the description of Messiah, but wisdom is justified by her children. Let me let me say I posted this 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 the other day. On Facebook, this autistic kid, did you guys see this? Oh, my God, and you're watching him, and he's going to sing this song, and you're like, oh, my God, there's no way he's going to be. He can't even barely speak right now. It's very challenging for him. And he sits at that piano, and he's blind. He can't even see. And the minute his fingers touch those keys and his voice starts to open, it's like as good as anybody you've ever heard. And as I was watching that, the Lord was speaking to me. It's like, listen, this is how the church can't see because you're making judgment on all these other peripherals. You want some beautiful veneer. You want the best looking pastor. Although you still get that here. Come on, somebody. Oh boy. But we want all these beautiful veneers, but we don't want, you know, an off stage, behind stage presence that 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 the gold is found there when that kid started to play and sing, I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And the Lord was like, I'm raising up leaders just like this. They may not look pretty to you. They may not be famous. They may not have all the Instagram followers. They may not be preaching at the next conference, but they're going to bring power to the earth because they carry something inside of my heart that's beautiful. And they've been sons and they've seen and they've humbled themselves and they've connected. And man, as they raised up, they're going to be ready. Ready? Could we raise our communion glasses right here? There's something so profound and so powerful about the gospel. Because I'm going to blow your mind with this next scripture. Or the Lord's going to do that, right? The blood of Jesus and what he paid for has positioned you to carry more than you even realize. You have no idea. You see, we herald John the Baptist and his ministry. But look at this verse. Look at this verse in Luke chapter 7, verse 28. He says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is none greater than the prophet John the Baptist. But look what he says. He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. In other words, the power of the blood and a broken body And divine enablement flowing from heaven into us, these simple ones that don't feel super spiritual, don't feel like we have it all together, don't feel like we have much to offer the world. By the grace of heaven, you're going to be more powerful than even John the Baptist was because you carry the presence of Jesus with you 24-7, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, my God. That's why I'm so over people getting ridiculed by the devil, telling them they don't have anything to give, that they don't know, who you know, trying to tell them, you don't know who you are, you're nothing, you're nobody. That's garbage. You carry the Spirit of Jesus on the inside of you, and you're going to have a greater ministry than John the Baptist. So, Lord, in a posture of sheer humility and awe and wonder of who you are as a daddy, come on, that is asking this question, what do you want this morning? Please hear me. This is for everybody in this room. The Father himself is saying, what do you want? Is it for my good? Is it for the earth that could change things and make a broken city become beautiful? What do you want? It's a hard thing that you ask. The only reason is, can you see what I want to show you? Lord, as we take a broken body and eat of it today, break off of us isolation, blindness, bitterness, confusion, deception or inability to see would you take and would you eat today what do you want as we drink any orphan spirit, anything that's affected us from our childhood, authority figures, bad church experiences, disillusionment on any level that would keep us from being able to clearly see because we project, Lord, would you come and wash that away as we drink? Would you come and give us the ability to see today? Would you drink with me? Could we ask him this, just together as a family? Lord, we want to disciple nations. I know that's, that's absurd to even ask that, but I just want to ask it. Lord, we want to disciple entire nations. Did you know South Florida? The size of the population of this region is the size or bigger of most nations throughout the world. Did you know that? If we could disciple this city, we could disciple nations. This is a, a warm-up, Okay. But you see, we need to have succession. We need to have glory come from one generation down to the next. We need double portion. We don't need to walk this out alone. Okay? So let's pray this. Father, would you raise up and and, and unite generations across this region. Would you unite churches across this region? Would you take fathers and mothers that are committed and sold out and have not got into this for their own gain? And would you connect them with sons and daughters that are longing to have, to have someone in their life to help them along the path, whatever that path may look like? Come and do something extraordinary in this hour, God, in our region as you are already doing it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a huge hand clap of praise? He's awesome. Wow. All right, we're going to have some ministry teams up here. You're officially dismissed. We're going to go into a song. Come and receive ministry. Maybe you're like, man, something on that message really hit me. Maybe you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, wait, come. We want to have a conversation with you about him. If there's something going on in your body, sickness, illness, anything like that, emotional challenges, come. We're going to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday.